16 minutes it is after 7 p.m. And uh, we go straight into uh, the latest out in the world of money and power. And we kick things off taking a look at the latest in the markets. Uh, market analyst Bandile Matandela joins me for our business wrap. Bandile, mantabatil tu wangwam gele and iti compliments of the new year and yatembu ngeneka aksamtlegaz. Man, bully is a put I nyagom must tembe and of Mauzas and Pumele. Must tembe, must tembe, Gaba. Well, quiz, old Zalaya, but the same Saber. Eh, Ocho. Delivered on Zaukum, Sabes and Saber. You're funding a gig to bundles the pill, but uh, you gotta make sure you keep them at least until 9 pm uh, because, uh, yeah, I guess we have to do what we have to do. Nagamatanda, yes, let's start off here with storage. Now, yeah. this is a very interesting company. Yeah, I mean, I understand they were listed in 2015 after 10 years in the marketplace. They've had a lot of uh, acquisitions in the last while, also in the United Kingdom. They've gone back to shareholders uh, to ask for just shy of half a billion rand, or just over uh, half a billion rand. Yeah. Uh, and this is part and parcel of them saying they want to scale up their operations in response to what is happening, not just in workplaces, but what is happening in many of our homes as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I, uh, we've, we've we've had this conversation before, just around you know the growth of that storage industry or sector, um, and it seems like storage is really uh, being bullish in terms of their growth. Yeah, and as you actually said, they, they've they've just raised about five hundred and seventy five million um, worth of shares, basically to 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 fund their um, expansion. And uh, this is uh, basically saying that they want to grow geographically in South Africa and acquire a couple of uh, other properties. This also follows um, them acquiring. Uh, about four properties in the UK as well. So it seems like they're really, really uh, backing themselves. Uh, and as you said, you know, I, I think there was also published just the vacancy rate in terms of um, commercial properties in South Africa. And with that increasing, a lot of organizations are changing their business models. They're changing whether they need to go back to the office. And um, a lot of and a lot of people as well, you know, uh, looking at different ways in which they can leave, whether it's sharing. And this is uh, as a result of a number of things, you know, the pandemic uh, has had a significant impact on a lot of people. So it seems like really the company is going all out um, and they, they're quite bullish with their growth and backing themselves fully. So uh, whether this is a good move or not, I mean, I think the growth is there right now. Um, and, and, and oh, you know, for me, it's just going to be interesting, particularly now uh, as uh, sort of the president announcing that they're reconsidering this, the, the, the state of the, the disaster. Um, perhaps once that is dropped, you know, you might see a lot of people maybe relooking their business models again but uh, it seems like uh, on their side they're going full full on uh, with their growth and expansion mm. i mean talk to me about what would have driven i guess uh, you know certainly in the south african market in this covid yeah. moment the urgency because one does get a sense i mean if, if you look at some of the projects that are being envisaged here that there's an urgency to expand the footprint of storage um, in a massive way in a very short period of time uh, because I guess they have a sense that they might miss out on this. I mean, they want to raise the, you know, the uh, I mean, they've raised the number of uh, properties in the portfolio yeah. from around 24 yeah. or so to about 76 uh, and increasingly wanting to add a few more there in South Africa, a pipeline of 10 properties um, and uh, in the UK as well, about four properties or so that they want to add. Yeah, I mean, I think if, if firstly, I, you consider just um, with regards to, to some of their numbers, right, they've reported a 6% growth in their rentals. 
Um, and I think it, it, it's on the basis of the pandemic, right? I think what the pandemic has done, first and foremost, is uh, we've, we've seen the e-commerce sales increasing quite rapidly, uh, which has led a lot of um, businesses to reconsider, particularly retail, to reconsider, you know, the, the, the traditional brick-and-mortar uh, approach uh, with potentially saying, listen, maybe we don't need as many stores, let's keep our products, and let's keep our goods on storage, and rather deliver on people. So I think to deliver to people. So I think, I think a, a significant part of that has been just the growth of the e-commerce. Um, it's been, you know, the pandemic in, in the sense that uh, a lot of people are reconsidering uh, the, their business models from an office space perspective. You know, um, a, a lot of people have been working from home now for over the last 24 months. And a lot of organizations are considering maybe never returning to that. And I think for me, what's going to be interesting is what happens post this, this, the state of the nation, sort of the, the state of disaster that we are in. Uh, and whether or not organizations are going to begin to return or not, or whether or not this is the new normal, as people mm. would term it. So I think a, a, a large part of it is, is influenced by the pandemic. It's influenced by a changing society in terms of how we do things. Um, for me, I, I, get, I get why they're growing this big, this quick, you know, but, um, you know, I would, I would perhaps urge a bit of caution because, you know, you never know uh, whether or not people will resort back to, to, to how things were operating prior to COVID, but significantly have uh, been impacted by the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, look, I guess the, the, there's another implication to it. I mean, if there's if lower demand for, you know, office type uh, property, there's people doing renovations in their homes. Uh, or people might have to pack up their, you know, home offices as they make their return. You're always going to need, I guess, to store some of the stuff. I mean, yeah. And we know yeah. South Africans are hoarders as well. You know, it's just always something I find very yeah. fascinating. Yeah. No, I, I definitely think so, Aya. But but for me, I, I don't know how significant that would be. But uh, but I suppose they still have that market to tap into, you know. But I think I think beyond just the pandemic, I think that the, the growth of online businesses in South Africa is also you know is also yes. contributed significantly. And I don't think that's something that's going to necessarily change. And what you might see is a lot more SMEs coming up, you know, because it's becoming easier now. You know, so uh, I think property and space has been a significant barrier to entry into a lot of industries, and now that you know you sort of um, you you no longer people are are warming up to online sales you might see a lot of SMEs coming up and they might need storage you know you don't necessarily need maybe warehousing space you might have just storage store your goods there and um, and then ship them from there so I think uh, e-commerce sales has also impacted this decision uh, quite Mm. significantly but you know it's going to be an interesting one uh, for me uh, and I think it's an interesting sector you know whether how long this growth is going to to, to, to go on is going to be interesting Um, but I think they're they definitely making the moves now in response to what's happening and, um, you know, fully, fully backing themselves. Yeah, yeah. Let's just our attention to Woolworths. Uh, I think every time there's ever been, you know, a results release, trading update, operational updates from Woolworths, it was always the food business uh, that yeah. blew the lights out. I think the fashion business hasn't done uh, too well of late. And uh, I guess uh, even if you think about some of their beauty, cosmetics and other elements also haven't been doing so well. Uh, it seems things have turned Somewhat, uh, because I guess this time around in a trading update, uh, updating the market, suggesting that the food business hasn't been doing as well as it has over the last while. 
Yeah, it's probably also a testament to how well Woolworths has been doing, right? Because it's not necessarily that they've declined as per se. It's just that their growth has declined. You know, they, 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 they are turnover in the food business is growing by 3.8%. If you consider this time last year, it was, um, uh, it was around about 12%. So, you know, the growth is, 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 is declining slightly, you know, and this could be a number of factors, right? You consider the competitive landscape, uh, particularly with checkers, really making a move for that high-end market. So there could be potentially um, just just uh, just matters around um, about competition, but also you know uh, with, with with raising unemployment. You know we've been speaking about uh, disposable people, disposable income back uh, shrinking to a certain extent. So it could be an, a, a number of issues that um, are impacting this, particularly the food business. You know, so I think I think for the first time, as you say, we well for, for the first time in a while, we're seeing the um, the, 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 the the profession and beauty as well as homeware industry growing uh, faster than the food business. Uh, and of course, they on a group perspective as well, they did say that um, they've, they've, they've um, experienced some declines with with their turnover, uh, largely impacted uh, by by the extended lockdowns in Australia. Of course, they've got uh, quite a big business in Australia with David Jones as well as Country Road um, over that side. So that's been impacted significantly as well from a group perspective. Mm-hmm. But I think from a South African perspective, you know, it's just uh, there's, there's new players in the market. I think Woolworths has played in that high-end space mm-hmm. alone for a while with the entry of checkers. Potentially, you know, you might see other organizations, other retailers as well entering this space. So I think there's going to be a bit more competition now. And uh, and again, for me, it's just more testament of just how uh, how much growth Woolworth Food has been experiencing over the last couple of years, uh, it was bound to happen that you'd have new entrants in this particular space. So, I, I mean, for me, I wouldn't be too concerned uh, from a world perspective. Of course, you know, it's, a, it's impact on revenue, it's impact on the bottom line, but, you know, it's, 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 it's about new entrants in the market and uh, the competition is always going to be there now. Yeah, yeah. No, indeed. And I think, you know, if, if you think about how... Um as many retailers were going the digital route, um, oh. you know, be it uh, pick and pay or even ShopRite, creating an alternative pathway to their consumer, we didn't see the same coming through from from Woolworths. Uh, do you think they'll rue uh, that missed opportunity of not really, I guess, embedding a very strong offering on the digital side of things? Perhaps, uh, yeah, but quite interestingly, right, their online business grew about uh, 22%. So, uh, seemingly, I mean, I mean, of course, you're looking at w- the base in which they're growing from, but I think there was an opportunity definitely for them to do more on that particular space. And I think going into this year, we might see more of that coming into play or on their end. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's potentially where where their opportunity is now. And I think with um, with particularly their competitor checkers in this particular space has really with that uh, launch of that app sixty has uh, probably you know and it will be interesting to see when they release their trading update um, how they've done. But I anticipate their online sales has really grown significantly. And uh, I think you might find that a lot of uh, pe- people that were traditionally robust consumers uh, have moved over to that platform just barely just purely on on their um, on the convenience factor, you know, so I think you, you, you're right there, you know, they, they, they will definitely ruin that opportunity. Um, and I think we might see a bit of a difference this year. Um, you know, I, I really do anticipate that they will make a move for that uh, online space because it, it seems like it's going at a, at a rapid rate in South Africa. Yeah, yeah. Of course, albeit of, of a very low base, but uh, certainly growing nonetheless. And, uh, you know, Bandile, I mean, one of the things we must take offline, Woolworths released their supplier list. Uh, for some of their divisions, except the food division, uh, I think about a week ago. Uh, and it makes for very, very interesting reading, I must say. I mean, a lot of China, 
but yeah. uh, interesting, I guess, where the location of some of the South African supplies from which they source uh, many of their clothes uh, is. So uh, maybe that's something we might want to pick up on sometime next week. But uh, yeah, talk to me about this one. We have until Tuesday next week to comment on tax proposals for vaping. Now, maybe walk us through, I guess, sort of uh, the current uh, syntax framework, uh, I guess, in relation to cigarettes as the, um, you know, uh, product there, which is uh, cigarettes, I guess, are a bit different to these e-vaping, aerosol type of, uh, you know, uh, uh, nicotine or tobacco products. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, this is not a surprising move, right? I I mean, I think if you consider uh, this discussion paper was released uh, uh, December, and then if you just look at what has been happening from a global perspective, you know, a number of countries have have moved to start taxing uh, vaping products, which are sort of an electronic type of um, cigarette, if you can call it that, that uses a liquid instead of tobacco, and there's this debate around, you know, this liquid could contain nicotine, it could not contain nicotine. So really, Treasury is, is, is moving to 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 introduce taxes in this particular space not surprising of course and well i mean i think for me when i was reading this as well you know you do understand this is on the back of the fact that treasury is, is under a lot of pressure to to, to increase the revenue collection and this mm. provides an opportunity for them uh, just if you consider that the vaping market and the growth over the last couple of years you know between 18 and 2018, uh, an annual growth um, rate of about uh, 21%. So for me, you know, it does make, it, to a certain extent, it makes sense. Department of Health, of course, have come and said that it's a health concern and that they will be amending their tobacco control re- legislation to also take into account vaping, which is uh, mostly un- unregulated in South Africa currently. But it's not a surprising move. You know, the U.S. has, uh, has moved to Texas. Kenya is one of them. Uh, a lot of this, a lot of countries, I think, are going to follow suit, um, you know, whether or not uh, and how they're actually going to do it, you know, is going to be interesting. Is it going to be based on a per milliliter basis? Is it going to be a flat rate? You know, I think those are some of the things that they're going to need to consider now and um, and, uh, and put into place. But uh, uh, also there's going to be the issues around, you know, exercise duties because some of these uh, liquids are actually uh, mm. imported. So it, it's going to make it's going to make for an interesting one uh, for me, you know, are and uh, the, it's going to be interesting to see exactly how they actually things, roll it out. Are any of the components to these things bandily made here? Um, you know, because I mean, the oils it seems are made elsewhere, but are any of the other yeah. components, uh, as in those Tijansa or Forbaku Chai, are any of those things made here? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what the manufacturing uh, exactly mm. I are, but I think it's a relevant question, an interesting question, um, and it would be something that we'd look, 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 need to look into, and perhaps there's an opportunity there as well, you know, for for, for mm. the Department of Trade and Industry to, to, to introduce and potentially fund uh, businesses that could um, manufacture some of these components, and at, at the very least, if the, if the oil is being imported, um, that the actual vaping equipment then would be manufactured here, you know, there's the battery component, there, uh, there's a lot of, of of components, so potentially it's an it's it's um it's an interesting uh, space. And whether or not you then tax that, or you taxing the liquid on its own, or you taxing the entire product is going to is going to make for an interesting one. And I think the tax lawmakers in South Africa are going to have uh, a difficult time just um you know just looking at this and then and then trying to introduce the taxes and where they introduce the taxes. And of course, uh, you will expect some pushback from some industry players, mm-hmm. I imagine, but. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Uh, it's gonna, yeah, for me, for me to an extent, it does make sense. Um, I think for Treasury, it provides an additional revenue, uh, revenue line item. Um, but you know, for Department of Health, I think they have a they have a case that they need to make uh, around the health concerns because right now it seems like there's no certainty yes, uh, yes. to exactly what 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 these concerns are. You know, so you know, I think they're still they're still they're still to me, they need to still make that case for me. It, it seems there's no unanimity, right, in in terms of the um, position insofar as harm of these products is concerned. I mean, initially, I think when they were introduced into the marketplace, they were seen as like aids for smoking cessation. So if you want to stop smoking, yeah. these were the things that helped you, I guess, effectively to try and quit. Uh, and since then, they've morphed into, I guess, you know, a very cool variant we've heard stories of younger people uh, becoming addicted to these things i mean you walk into any public space now uh, you know and all of those things right um and so i guess some of the issues that it raises at a very sort of fundamental level is how sometimes regulation might take a bit of time in catching up to what's happening in the marketplace where many tobacco players from british american tobacco philip morris have all really hedged a lot of their bets on harm reduction around these kinds of products. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think, I think you're right. I, it's that lack of unanimity. You know, I think it's, it's. We've seen different stances, and then to an extent, you, you sort of understand. I, you know, because you, as much as regulation must move uh, as quickly as possible, but you know, you want to make sure that you understand very well, and then and, and you regulate properly because there's a lot of elements that. Um, that that are involved and and to be considered, but um, for me, you know, I, for me, I, I still don't know if the Department of Health has made a strong enough case um, to be able to say, uh, you know, what the, exactly these health uh, implications are. I mean, a lot of things have, have have been said. You know, there's been issues around the sharing of these things and potentially, you know, having you know herpes being one of the the, the, the health risks. But then, you know, someone else might argue that, but I don't share mine uh, and I use it on, on my own. So mm-hmm. I think Department of Health, yeah, for me is the one that really has to 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 do the necessary research and be able to to advise properly so that we, we so that even treasury and SARS are able to introduce the taxes in the right manner mm. so it's um it's an interesting one and as you said you know a big a lot of these big tobacco companies have actually hedged on this and uh, and I'm sure there's going to be slight pushback particularly because I think before uh, there was a there was there was a lot of lobbying from them to say that this is a product that needs to be taxed in this particular manner and for a while it went unregulated with them making a move towards that side. And now that uh, a significant number of them have actually made significant investments, there's these regulations that are being brought to play. So it's going to be an interesting one. And, you know, it's one that I'll definitely be keeping an eye on uh, to see just uh, how it actually uh, plays out. Yeah, and then uh, just before we let you go, Bandile, yeah, I didn't know now that uh, Nazir Jones, Dr. <laughs> Menia's Nas, uh, is uh, one of the investors in Dropbox. Um, and uh, let me see which other entities, uh, Coinbase and also Lyft, which is a ride-hailing app. Uh, we certainly don't have it here, uh, but uh, a ride-hailing app that contends with the DDs, Ubers, and uh, the Bolts of the world. Uh, and he's also now, I guess, one of the uh, minority investors here in a massive gaming play into the continent of Africa. Now, second time this week we're speaking about a gaming story because on Monday, Microsoft announced that they had bought into uh, you know, the um, studio that makes Call of Duty, which is a game very, very popular 
across all corners of the world. What do you make of this? And more importantly, I guess at the start of the year, uh, one is an investment into the gaming sector on the continent, but also the implications of how much money might be thrown about in the world of gaming as more and more people spend a lot more time at home on their phones um, and gaming moves beyond just consoles into our smartphones. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think firstly, you know, just on that point of of, of Nas, Nas, uh, who's who's that rapper, right? Quite impressive and inspirational for him, and right? Yeah, I understand his portfolio spreads over hundred companies, which is quite impressive as well. Particularly just considering the narratives and the connotations usually placed um, on 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 entertainers, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of they, you know, they they go become successful and they never actually sustain their success. But yeah, I rightfully say, you know, I, there's there's um, there's been a significant amount of money being put into gaming, particularly in Africa. And I think a large part of that is influenced by, you know, if you consider South Africa as a whole, it's got quite a young population. Um, and, and, and the use of cell phones in, in, in Africa is, you know, is, is, is quite on a, on a high. So, you know, with, there's more cell phones in Africa than people, um, you know. So I think a lot of organizations, particularly U.S.-based um, tech uh, companies, are, are making that uh, move towards uh, investing in Africa. And I think, uh, as you said, you know, people working from home, uh, sort of the world sort of changing to a certain extent people spending more time on their cell phones, people, you know, uh, the digitization rate is increasing quite rapidly. I think gaming is something that is really coming to the fold. And, uh, mm. you know, uh, hopefully some African companies as well come to the party, you know, because as we've, we've seen now in the last couple of years, it's been mostly American giants making a move to the space. You know, hopefully we'll start having some uh, African-owned and African-original content on this particular gaming. But I mm. think it's also largely influenced by just digitization. People are using their phones more people are becoming and it's not even just kids you know growing up you know gaming was something that was done by younger people but i think now we're starting to see that there's gaming for adults there's gaming there's different types of gaming and it's changing you know it's no longer just the typical playstation there's, there's different there's different things that are happening within that space so you know um I think we're going to see more of this, and um, you know, my hope is that um, African African organisations also come to the party uh, quite soon. No, oh, definitely, definitely, and it's uh, one that we're certainly going to be following quite closely. But uh, Bandile, let's leave it there. Mtlaba, always a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, Budi, and uh, definitely do have a good show going forward. Thank you very much. Yeah, interesting one there on uh, the gaming story and uh, I guess uh, the nature of investments that are being attracted into that particular sector as more and more uh, people I guess uh, take to gaming and as I said not just the consoles uh, but uh, a lot of that happening uh, on our smartphones uh, as well and uh, the penetration of those I guess taking the reach of some of these gaming studios much much further and uh, of course let alone some of the platforms where all of these things are housed and different developers and studios get to to place some of what it is they've produced. But yeah, what do you make of that? Especially, I guess, uh, NAS. I mean, I don't know, 100 uh, companies invested in there by his entity, Queensbridge Venture Partners. And uh, I guess it makes, makes a bit of sense. I mean, I'm, I'm quite uh, the fan of his music. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess a very interesting one there. Now, one of the songs he has actually talks about that, 10 points, um, uh, where he talks about, I guess, uh, yeah, naming his venture fund after the neighborhood he's come from, a neighborhood known for murders, uh, now doing mergers, as he often says. We're going to take a brief break now when we come back. It's our headline segment, and uh, we take a look at Injala uh, Benzangayo, uh, uh, you know, uh, the pupils and uh, the learners of uh, this country, and in particular, uh, the learners of the province of the Free State, which, uh, yeah, have pipped Gauteng and the Western Cape to take pole position.